The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. You're listening to Tom and Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Jake was just saying that he would like to open up a bar at some point. Yeah, I'd love to be a bar owner someday. You think you'd be good at it? I don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> so at least there's that. Yeah. Uh, so that would never be a problem uh, in that department. Yeah. And, you, I, th- I think you would be a great bartender, the the guy that you could tell your stories to. Yeah, yeah. Like I one of those small bars, like, you know, it seats 20, 25, something like that. Yeah. And and everybody knows your name Just instantly. Just come talk to me. Just come talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> and pay me money for the beer. <laughs> I think it would work swimmingly. I mean, the bar business is pretty tough, right? Yeah, there's a lot of them opening uh, and shutting down, but uh, uh, thankfully we've... We've got a new one coming up here. So That's right. Uh, that. We are going to be at the Upside Bar Lounge uh, at Bar and Lounge at 27th and Pine Lake uh, for their lunch party. Uh, going to be there tomorrow night, 5 to 7, free food, uh, lots of giveaways, and lots of uh, Husker basketball players. C.J. Wilcher will be there. Kobe Webster will be there, both from 6 to 7. Derek Walker, Damian Daniels, Nicole Caton, uh, maybe Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. We could get him to show up. That'd be great. Come on by. Hey, guys. Hey, how are you? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, it's funny you talk about, like, bars and food and yeah. things. That that was something I knew I couldn't do at a young age, not yeah. because uh, of anything related to talent, but because nobody wants to eat something from Chef Bland. It's just not, <laughs> oh, that's not, not, not the way you want to go. So I, I knew that was out of my yeah. career choices early on. Yeah. Well, so you became a writer. Well, uh, you got to do something, right? Uh, no, Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. He does it very well for the Omaha World Herald. Writes about Nebraska football uh, recruiting and baseball. Baseball recruiting. Man, every time I look, I read one of your articles, it feels like about Nebraska baseball. They're signing somebody new. Get a commitment uh, from Bradley Freezer. Uh, from Wyoming, what are they getting there? Yeah, he uh, yeah, highly rated kid, right-hander out of Wyoming. Um, you know, the thing that stood out to me about him was the command that he showed in high school. Like mm. sometimes you can't, you know, put a ton of stock into some of the numbers that these guys have. You don't know the level of competition, things like mm. that. But his numbers struck me as similar to what we saw from Spencer Schwellenbach coming out of high school where it was just a ridiculous number of strikeouts, a uh, very low walk total. And so like, again, you don't, and I'm not saying he's going to be Spencer yeah. Schwellenbach or whatever, but a guy who has that level of command start, does translate really well to the college game. And so he was a guy who, uh, yeah, visited for the 
Michigan game, I believe it was, Michigan football game, uh, committed that weekend. And, you know, they're, they're quietly doing some work yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they've added a number of other players. They have a 2024 commit uh, from Blair, Jay Unger. They have they added a number of 2023s. And I'm actually working on a bigger picture story for uh, maybe a week or two from now. But there's been sort of this trend with Nebraska baseball recruiting where a lot of these guys – uh, Nebraska might be their first offer or second offer. Uh, they have interest from other schools, but Nebraska is the one that pulls the trigger. And I think what we've seen, there's sort of a common thread there where this staff knows what it wants to do and it knows what kind of players it wants from an intangibles perspective, from a talent perspective. And we've seen this a lot. I mean, Cade Povich had a lot of interest in the JUCO ranks, but Nebraska was his only big offer, and now he's a second-round draft pick. And you can kind of go down – the list with some other guys. Bryce Matthews was lightly recruited. Nebraska was his biggest offer, um, and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, it, I know it's not as covered as much as certainly football or basketball recruiting, but those guys are doing some work behind the scenes, man, and uh, it should be fun to follow and see what kind of teams they can assemble here in the coming years. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting. Does, does Nebraska baseball have to recruit nationally? I know they have a lot of uh, local talent that they bring in as well, but um, it, does this does this staff kind of look similar to, to past staffs in the way that they're recruiting? Is, is, it, is it kind of a national approach? Well, it's a little bit different, I think, from what the previous – staff or two have done i mean they really are serious about setting up a fence around the state and the 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 in-state talent in the, in the state of nebraska is really strong i mean you look at the 2023 2024 classes there are multiple players committed to uh, sec schools i mean cam kojal who's a, an infielder from millard south just committed to vanderbilt this week i mean that's that's obviously the kind of the the, the cream of the crop for college baseball right now so I think they understand that there's a lot of talent here. And when you couple that with uh, being in-state guys playing for their hometown team, uh, they, they know what that kind of recipe that can create. I mean, we saw it you know, in the early 2000s with the College World Series runs that Nebraska made. But then they do move out regionally. I mean, they've, they've gotten into Kansas. They've gotten into Wyoming with guys like Fieser. Uh, they, they go south. Obviously, the staff has a lot of ties to Texas and Oklahoma. And then they hit the junior college circuit pretty well, too. Uh, that's been a consistent theme under both the last few years. And the Canada connection. I mean, they've added, uh, I think, four or five now, either signees or commits from the Great White North who have come in. I mean, Core Jackson's the first one who's here on campus now. He had a really impressive fall as an infielder who might uh, play a, a, you know kind of an immediate role in what this 2022 Nebraska could be. So they definitely have a formula that they've stuck to. And again, I think the thing that sets them apart more than anything is they know what they're after. And when they put an offer out there, that means those guys can commit. I think people who follow football recruiting, um, especially as Nebraska does it, you put out an offer for Nebraska football, that's sort of the starting point for dialogue for, Hey, come to campus and see what we have to offer. And then go from there for baseball if they put an offer out there those guys uh you know it's an open invitation to join the team so a lot of uh, you know i think a lot of vision and a lot of really specific um details uh the, the coaching staff has out there in terms of what it's looking for from players he's evan bland of the omaha world herald we've definitely gotten that uh that feel since talking to Lance Harvell on a regular basis of Nebraska baseball. They, they know what they want. They're confident when they see it 
and they know they can develop it at a higher level. They don't hesitate to pull the trigger because they they really have a plan for everybody that they recruit. Totally, yeah. I mean, they it's kind of this. They they, they found a nice balance where they're not afraid to let guys kind of follow routines that they have set in high school that that have brought them success. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, they have a history of developing guys. Uh, you know, Cam Wynn, I think, is a great example. He was a guy uh, who nobody was really after um, from junior college, or, or I'm sorry, from Texas A&M, and, and he turns into a draft pick last year. Or Jake Buns, who was had Tommy John surgery and uh, was sitting out there for 10 months looking for a suitor, and Nebraska comes along, and, and suddenly he's an elite setup guy and bullpen arm for them. Um, you know, Povich was someone who I mentioned who Nebraska jumped on, on him a year earlier than most schools were comfortable doing, and he became a second-round pick. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you can kind of go down the line mm-hmm. and see some of these guys that uh, maybe didn't have a ton of exposure or a ton of interest, but, yeah, you get them onto campus, you plug them into a specific role within the team. That's the other big thing that they do mm-hmm. is they um, – this staff does a really good job of saying, this is how we want you to fit into this team. I think of a guy like Jackson Hallmark, who early in his career kind of tried to do a little bit of everything um, and, and, you know, had some success. But when Will Bolton, the staff came along and said, and they said, Hey, look, we want you to be really good at bunting. We want you to to make Mm -hmm. that your focus. We want you to focus on stealing bases. Suddenly he became a dynamic table setter for Nebraska Mm -hmm. And he signs with the Houston Astros as, as an undrafted free agent in the offseason. So uh, I, think, I think the vision pays off there. And then just the players knowing what that staff expects has really led to a lot of guys thriving beyond what uh, maybe other schools would have thought. He's Evan Bland of the Omaha World-Herald, our weekly conversation. I don't know about you, but we've been having a lot of state-of-the-program type conversations on the radio. and The text line has certainly mm-hmm. chimed in. I'm sure you've gotten feedback. Uh, but it does feel like now you start looking back, and I don't say it's. I don't think it's over. I think Nebraska obviously has a lot of room to to do some good things this season. But if if you could look back over the last four years and maybe Frost could have a mulligan on something, what would it be? Hmm, that's a good one. I mean, there there, there are a lot of options. I, you know, I'll give you kind of a of a unique one. I've often thought, or I've often wondered how the start of the Scott Frost era would have gone if the Akron game had happened. If it happened to be a clear night and they had played that game, Akron turned out to not be very good that year. Memorial Stadium was lit. Um, you know, say Nebraska wins that game, they iron out some wrinkles, and then Colorado the next week, maybe that was enough improvement from week one to week two that that turns into a win. And suddenly – you're not talking about 0-6 to start the Frost era. Maybe you're talking about 2-0. and And maybe uh, had that Akron game happened, Martinez wouldn't have been hurt the following week. And mm. uh, that wouldn't have bled over, bled over into the Troy game. Like, mm. it just felt like from from day one, it's Nebraska's been behind the eight ball. They've never really been playing with house money, so to speak, uh, in terms of the wins. They've, they've always been, you know, starting season slow. And I just wonder if they had been able to play that Akron game. 0-6 maybe turns into, you know, who knows, 3-3. Three and three. Maybe they get to a bowl game that first year with some of the momentum they showed toward the end of the year, and suddenly you're not talking about this long bolus streak going back to 2016, but you're you're talking about a program that at least has shown under Frost that it's done it before. So I, I do – I'm often curious about how 
you know, a, a huge thunderstorm cell in Lancaster County could have affected the program four years ago. That's interesting, and it's a, it's a good way of looking at the past, but how about looking at the future? What is, what's the one thing that you think needs to change most uh, for this thing to get turned around? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a big, big question. Um, you know, the theme this last week was about coming through in the clutch, and if, if Nebraska's made progress, and I think they have made progress this year and in year four, uh, how do you get over the hump? I mean, what, what is it that's holding Nebraska back? Is it, is it the personnel? Uh, is it the play calling? Is it something else? Like, that's something this staff continues to work through. That's obviously a point of debate um, among all of us, trying to kind of figure it out. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I've heard, I think you guys were maybe talking about it, maybe the more frustrating things uh, in, under these last four years under Frost. And to me, it's just, can, you, can they – get out of this cycle of beating themselves. And I think what's, what's frustrating is the things that were issues four years ago are still the issues. It's the untimely turnovers on offense, especially from, you know, Adrian Martinez, who's been the quarterback for a long time. It's been penalties. It's been special teams, which were bad in 2018 and they're still bad in 2021. And so it's almost, it's, it's frustrating because it's the same sort of issues and it's hard to, keep talking about it's hard to keep writing about when it's the same stuff over and over um you know i don't know if that's going to change in these last four weeks i think it could i think they could be purdue i think wisconsin is a flawed version of the team that nebraska's lost to um, i think seven times in a row now and they're always um, able to play with iowa no matter how good iowa is no matter how bad nebraska is that's always a close game so uh you're right like the narrative isn't the story isn't written on this season yet. There's still a third of it to go. I think a lot can happen in that time. But man, if it's the same sort of story, it's going to be a long off season with uh, you know some level of change that's going to have to occur among the coaching staff. Um, and man, it's I think that's just kind of the bottom line is we're we're looking for a new storyline. I think people are looking for a, a sign of hope, a sign of realistic hope. And maybe that's something they can provide over these last six weeks. Well, it's a weird conversation, Evan, because there has been hope in losses uh, to top 10 teams. And that's where progress feels like it's it's happened. And Scott Frost says they're close. And in some ways, they do feel like they're close. And yet, teams that are close don't do the type of, type of silly things that Nebraska continually does. But we don't evaluate Scott Frost at the end of the year. That'll be Trev Alberts' job and his decision whatever way he goes. How do you think that he is looking at this? I mean, just meeting him a few times that we have, getting to know him, how does he evaluate coaches? Yeah, I mean, I've talked to him a few times, heard him uh, speak about that. What My read on that situation is actually, I think it's a little unique because if you're looking at, at Nebraska from somewhere around the nation, if you don't follow Nebraska closely, I think what you see is, okay, here's a, a coach in his fourth year who hasn't had a winning season, and now he has an AD who didn't hire him and is going to be evaluating him uh, a little more harshly. But really, I think when you hear Trev talk, um, you know, he's, he's discounted in a lot of ways those first three seasons in which he wasn't here, partly because he doesn't think it maybe would be fair to overly um, criticize or evaluate that situation when he wasn't here. Also, you know, he's mentioned there's been maybe a lack of administrative support um, behind Frost and, and some things of that nature. So 
my my read on what he has said is this he's he started to evaluate Scott Frost based on this year and moving forward, which is kind of a unique situation where um, you know some of those struggles in the early years for Frost maybe don't count against him as much as you might think in that typical situation. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying he doesn't necessarily want to make a move, uh, him being Alberts. Uh, if Nebraska finishes 3-9 and nine and the wheels come off here in the last four games, maybe that's a different conversation. But to me, this feels like a situation where you have to make some sort of staff changes on the offensive side in the offseason, and then year five becomes that show-me sort of year where the schedule lightens up, uh, where the crossover games become a lot more manageable than they have been the last couple of years, and next year sort of becomes that that year where you have to show market improvement. Otherwise, um, uh, probably a bigger change would be in the offing after that. Of course, the bye week is here, and it's a time for the, the team to get, get healthy and, and kind of get ready for the rest of the season. Also a time for the media that covers football uh, to get a little bit of break. What are you planning on doing for, with your bye weekend? <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, I took a couple days early this week, um, this weekend, just to be watching football, staying home, spending some time with family, uh, not necessarily having to write too much. So, uh, you know, if I'm feeling that way, and I'm guessing you guys probably are feeling that way too, uh, how much more are the players and the staff maybe ready for just a little bit of a mental break? Not to say that they're not working or, or preparing or whatnot, but, man, it does it does help to have a little bit yeah. of a – a downtime. And, and like you said, it sort of provides that opportunity to take a bigger picture approach to things. I mean, there's been more talk this week about, uh, you know, the close losses, uh, the systematic struggles of Nebraska, the recruiting classes coming up. Um, and I think that's good. We kind of get out of the, the weeds for a week and then uh, jump back in for two more. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have the weekend and I'm guessing yeah. a lot of Husker Nation is too. I hope you didn't spend your break watching your Broncos last night. That wasn't fun. Oh, oh stop! <laughs> Look, I, I told you guys when they were three and zero that the thing was a mirage, yeah, and no. now they're three and four, That's and right. the schedule doesn't yep. get easier. So yep. you know, yep. I, I don't. I'm, I'm thankful I don't have to, you know, be there or follow that team <laughs> too closely on the daily. Yep. Um, but yeah, thanks for that reminder, Tom. <laughs> it's painful. It's uh, but that's what sports fandom is. Good stuff, Evan. We'll talk to you again uh, next week. Thanks for the time. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Yeah, I wouldn't watch that team. They're awful. Because <laughs> Cleveland had nobody on their roster available. They had like 15 guys down. They were starting a guy that I had never heard of uh, uh, at running back. And he did great. He, he ran for 146 yards. Uh, but obviously, Kareem Hunt wasn't there. Chubb wasn't there. Yeah. Baker Mayfield wasn't there. They were down three offensive linemen. And the Broncos still lose. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad football team. But uh, listen to them every week uh, Sunday that's right. on, on our station. <laughs> but but, but uh, by the way, you should listen to the Broncos every Sunday. Yeah. Uh, they'll get better. They're, hey, they are three and zero, and they do have Teddy Bridgewater, who I really like at quarterback. I do. Uh, I they, like. I like the NFL games that make me think of their college yeah. careers. When you have Case Keenum against yeah. uh, Teddy Bridgewater and right. Melvin Gordon back there, Noah Fan. There's a lot of college connections that kept me they, going. They have two former Viking quarterbacks, Case Keenum. And Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, there you go, yeah. So uh, there's a reason to cheer for Denver, uh, and I will. Well, Cleveland Sunday. has uh, Case Keenum, but that was the matchup last oh, that's night. That's right, that's yeah. right, uh, that's right. That was the matchup last night. Uh, let's get to break and come back with uh, our final segment, the pregame to round out the show next. You're listening to Tom and Bach. Watch live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. 
break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.